super pumped for this. Wow. <laughs> Just make a different noise every time. Just a different noise every time. Oh, shit. Hey, you're listening to Commander Cookout Podcast, episode 154. I'm Brando. I'm here with Ryan. Today we're going to conclude the arc of the EDH&M by talking about an entire EDH&M meta. Now hit our theme song! Hey, Ryan. We're back for yet another whirlwind adventure. How you doing? Good. What's going down? Whole ton is going down. It's the bonus episode for the arc of the EDH&M. We're going to do an entire EDH&M on this episode. It's going to be freaking cool. We're going to give away decks. We're going to give away credit at face2facegames.com, their Canada's biggest magic store. But before we do that, we have to thank face2facegames.com, that's Canada's biggest magic store, for sponsoring the show. Wow. <laughs> Jesus. I'm, 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 I'm pumped up for this one, Ryan. I'm excited for this. This is like your favorite arc that we've ever done, and it's quite possibly your favorite show in your favorite arc. I think so. I think it is. This one and that Christmas Balls deck we did last year, because that was really funny. Ooh, shout out to yeah. a future Christmas oh. show. I'm just going to throw that out there. <laughs> Who what knew? is Christmas at the time this episode launches? 20 days? I think so, yeah. And I think if the calendar serves me correctly, and it usually does, <laughs> we'll have a show launch on Boxing Day. It'll Ooh. be pre-recorded, though, so maybe... Maybe if I remember and or aren't hungover too badly to post the show a day early, maybe it'll be on Christmas. Ooh. I'm just gonna, just gonna, I'm not going to commit to anything, yeah. but, <laughs> Good you call. know. You whatever. can't commit to do much around the holidays, but we're going to be working hard to make sure that all of the Commander Cookout goodness is there for you as we go through the holidays. Yeah, we are recording how many podcasts in the first half of the month so we can take the last half off to be with our friends and family, yeah, of course. I don't want to think about it, Ryan. I don't think about it. It's, it's going to be great. But. More or less, eh, eight. <laughs> <laughs> we we enjoy. I enjoy doing the show, but we're gonna. It's going to be some some weekends of work that we're going to be doing. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. So we've got some special show lined up today. An entire EDH and M meta. So any new listeners of CCO Nation out in CCO Nation, EDH and M is what we call or what we started to call our personal Friday Night Magic, where we play Commander, EDH Night Magic. Yes. Where we show up, there's anywhere between 25 to 30 people, so like lots of pods of Commander. Lots of people are new to Commander, which is always fun because it's exciting for them. It is filled with a lot of people who are experienced commander and magic players that have big big collections and lots of different decks to lend out or change or vary the power level so you always have a varied experience there uh, our local store is in a mall with a food court so there's always like communal food there's a dollar store so we get candy there's always people that bring pop then after all of the people that are able to go to the bar just down the way in the mall to have some beers after. Yeah, buckets of beer are on special, so it's basically just calling our names. Yeah, buckets of beer are on special, and they actually even let you like split up the bill and still get the deal on the bucket. Nice. Yeah, so that is our personal experience, and we hope that over the last, what is it, four or five episodes now? Yeah, about a month. Yeah, yeah that people have gotten a feel for that and have gotten kind of an idea of... Maybe how to start your own, how to flourish your own meta, whatever it is. 
And, yes. And further to that point, we actually have a little bit of YouTube content coming out to supplement all this. Indeed. So Brando will tell you where you can find all that stuff. You can find us, me and Ryan, on Twitter at CCO Podcast and CCO Brando. You can also find all of our deck lists at the same coordinates on Tapped Out. Most of the ones from this arc are not there just because they're all on different sites and we ain't got time for that. You can get us at snail mail at commandercookout at gmail.com. If you want to find us on social media anywhere, you can find us on Facebook and patreon.com slash CCO Podcast. If you're in a position to help the channel grow, you can find us on YouTube and and face-to-facegames.com, which, of course, is the, the, the sponsor for the show. We're going to give away the $25 right now. Right now? Right now. You, you creeps. He's going to pull out the winner, and I'm going to tell you that if you missed any of the social media coordinates that I just ran down, you can get them from the show notes down below or commandercookout.com. Also on commandercookout.com, while Ryan still searches for our $25 winner, you can go to commandercookout.com slash store. There are shirts and play mats and all sorts of stuff available for Christmas stocking stuffers for the Magic player in your life if you would like to help the show and uh, have some sweet swag from your boys, Ryan and Brando. So, Ryan, you, you, do, do we have a winner yet? I have the winner. Oh. 25 bucks, face-to-facegames.com, store credit. Get at us via email, commandercookout at gmail.com, to tell us what email you would like your $25 credited to Kiel Rudnitsky. Good name. I think we met him in Regina. Sure. So, so I know he's Canadian. So he must have a face-to-face account. I assume every Canadian Magic player has a face-to-face games account. I assume so too, because <laughs> that's where we get most of our stuff. Yes. So get at us via email. Thank you for playing along. Thank you for being part of CCO Nation. Hopefully the $25 serves you well. And you can beat some wholesale holiday ass. Nice. Yeah. Man. Nothing says holidays like wholesale ass. Don't Google that. Yes. Mm-hmm. That probably sounded gross in the mic. I was searching for words and just couldn't find them. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Okay. Now, deck? Plural? Plural. Case. How, how many we got? We picked 10. 10? Out of the, the piles of lists that we got, we picked 10. Uh, we're only going to do nine on the show, unfortunately, because on the way in, somewhere in between my house and here, one of the deck lists for a Lazav deck just vanished. Yeah, Brando put a, a compilation together, Brando Comp, if you will. And somehow when we were building all of the documents to know what the hell we were going to talk about, we lost a Lazov list. But give them, the, give them the Coles notes of what we were going to say about the list. The Coles notes about that particular list was it was like steal stuff, take things, cheat triggers, cheat magic to like basically cheat at the game to win it really. Yeah. And it was the deck that the guy brought to his EDH and M's to lend out to new players so that they could learn... Not just how to play magic, but how to like circumvent how you play magic to get the best value and the best chance of winning out of your cards. And I really wanted to talk about it because it's from Max Crandell's playgroup and it's killed Max Crandell at least once. So teach new players, sees play in local meta, kills Max Crandell. Tic-tac-toe. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, we lost the list. So if that was you... Uh, send it back in. We're gonna put it in the pile for later. You know what I? You know what I think happened? So, so this one night I was drinking, 
and I went to check my own personal email, and you know how in like the app on your phone for Gmail you can switch between accounts? Yeah. I tried to do that, and I think I swiped, I swiped right on a deck list and archived it. And on the app, I don't know where to find my archived emails. <laughs> I think, I, think one, I just thought of that just exactly right now. <laughs> yeah, it might have happened. Ah, well, it, it happens. It's a thing. So if that was your deck, please send it back in. We'll we'll add it to the pile with some of the other ones that unfortunately we could not get to in this arc because we figured 10 was enough. Yes, and we do save everything both for future inspiration, like I always tell people when they send them in, and of course future arc of audiences or ideas in general for arcs or YouTube content, whatever it is. Yes. Okay, so the real first deck... I was a little bit hesitant until you sold me, which is usually how it happens. Uh, I think up front you seem like the curmudgeon, but maybe it's actually me. I don't know. Give us give us the commandy of the first list. Kazool Tyrant of the Cliffs is a legendary creature. Ogre Warrior, 5-4 for red, red, 3. Whenever a creature an opponent controls attacks you... If you're the defending player, create a 3-3 red ogre creature token unless that creature's controller pays three. Yeah, I just painted one, FYI. So when we get attacked, they pay three, we don't get an ogre. Right. We get attacked, they don't have the mana for XYZ reason we'll talk about, we get an ogre. Right. Okay, so how do we make it such that they can't pay mana? We deny them their mana through things like, I don't know strip mine and wasteland or maybe they have land and we just keep it tapped with say an IC manipulator or a mana web <laughs> oh, okay so this is kind of like a maybe a control deck I'm seeing vandal blast ruination chain reaction blasphemous act see yesterday's deck yeah of course episode 153 yep I'm seeing like Chaos Warp and Dual Caster Mage, so you can copy your stuff. Pyroblast, Red Elemental Blast, Wild Ricochet. So we are playing the the control version of Mono Red, kind of like your Norin list. Yes. So anybody who's familiar with Brando's Norin list, I think we did it in episode 40. And then again, later on, we talk about it lots. It's kind of stacks light Mono Red, enter the battlefield triggers, right? Yes. That's what this one's like, but this one also plays things like Tectonic Instability, Storm Cauldron, Wars Toll, Winter Orb. This sounds like an actual stacks deck. And you personally say every week before EDHNM, when you tell people to come out, we have fun 300% of the time. Yes. You finish your post with hashtag no stacks. Correct. So what is the deal? Why are we playing mono red stacks at an EDHNM? I think that this list for me is as close to stacks as you can get in a casual meta, and still have a deck that people will have fun playing with. I mean, this deck is predicated on you being attacked. It has a card in it called Trove of Temptation, which is like the the worst card of all time that just makes you get attacked, and in exchange you get one mana a turn. Like, the, the deck is predicated on you being attacked and you getting beat up, so if you're playing a deck that plays a bunch of flyers, those ogres don't mean shit, and they're just gonna wreck you. If they have a way of making dudes that are bigger than three threes with trample, they just wreck you. People still get to attack and do stuff. It just is a little bit harder. And I think that in that kind of a situation, I think that playing stacks is not the worst. It's not hard lock stacks. It's not nobody gets to play magic stacks. It's just 
magic is a little bit harder to play and you're encouraged to kill me for playing it. And I think that that's a, a, a nice trade-off. I don't think so. If you're yeah. going to play a winter orb, you should get your face kicked in, and the whole deck is predicated <laughs> on you getting your face kicked in, right? Yeah. You you know what I love is flipping some normally very marginal thing or something that is traditionally not good onto its head and making it good, like harnessing the power of somebody else's creature against them in such a way that is just weird, funky, unique, different what have you. I think that really exemplifies CCO Nation and, and Commander Cookout podcast. And for that reason, this deck would be welcome in our meta. And that was Anthony Buckley, or Anthony Buckley's as he is on our CCO Discord. So he sent that deck in. Just like Anthony, this deck tastes awful and it works. Got there. Got there. Got there. All right. So he plays Kazool, says go, player to his left. He's playing. Xenagos, God of Revels. Ooh. Ooh. We've featured a Xenagos last Christmas day, I think, or last Christmas week. We did uh, Christmas balls, lightning ball, groundbreaker, ball lightning, yeah. whatever it is. That was our deck last year. So we're revisiting Xenagos. Tell us about this deck. Xenagos is a god, legendary enchantment creature, 6-5 for Grolin 3. He has indestructible as long as your devotion to whatever is big. He's not a dude. At the beginning of combat on your turn, another target creature you control gains haste and gets XX until end of turn where X is that creature's power. So in a text to me, you had said this is potentially a highest end casual that you would want. And it plays some extra combat, some very efficient beaters, and things like uh, newly minted Great Henge that lets you capitalize on casting creatures to draw cards and make them bigger. And it's a like free mana rock. So we're playing yeah. free mana rocks, efficient beaters, and green card draw. I see also in here a Defense of the Heart, which when our opponent controls... We'll say two or more creatures, three or more creatures. We get to just tutor up two creatures and put them directly onto the battlefield. Which will normally either break the game or just win you the game. Yeah, so what do we get here? I'm looking at, oh, Bane of Progress. Uh, you have more creatures than me and you have more enchantments and artifacts than me? I'll search for a Bane of Progress. Carnage Tyrant, I'll just kill all your shit. Vorinclex. I'll just keep all your shit tapped. Yeah, we were talking about stacks in the last list. Let's do it again. There's a world spine worm. There's, There's a god eternal Ronus. So if I have lots of creatures, but you also just happen to have three, and I drop my defense of the heart, when it comes back around to my turn, I'll just search for my god eternal Ronus, give all my guys double power, and kill you. My world spine worm becomes a 30 <laughs> <laughs> Now, I say that this one is about the upper power level of casual that you would want because this is a deck that when you sit down, it's like, hey, hey, Brando, what are you playing? Oh, I'm playing my Xenagos. Holy crap, it's super fast. It's super aggressive. It's super powerful. The games don't last very long. If this deck is humming, everybody's going to die right away. Yes, and while that sounds like it's a really good deck, there isn't any of the really fast artifact mana that we talked about a couple weeks ago uh, with the Chulain deck where we said, okay, there's no Mana Crypt, there's no Mana Vault, there's no Grim Monolith, none of that's in here. And all of it, of course, would let you power out all your big beefy beaters faster. Yep. BBO <laughs> podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and also, 
I'm looking at like only a couple, only one, one drop mana dork. Of course, there's a Dryad Arbor, but that counts in your land slot. Yeah. There's a couple two and three drop mana dorks, but even the dorks cost like, I'm looking at, what's um what's the one that gives you equal to devotion? Karametra's Acolyte or something? Uh, I think that's the one, yeah. Yeah, that one cost four, right? So you're still only playing at casual speed, even though the top end of what you're doing is probably going to be much more powerful than what your opponents are doing. It kind of reminds me of your Omnath deck. Yeah, the top end, just like once you hit that top end, your top end is really, really high. And there isn't a real, is it gradation? There isn't a a slow feed into that top end. It's like you're going, you're going, you're going, you win. I mean, I mean that's how most Xenagos decks work. I just think that this one is a really good example of how a Xenagos deck works and is still fair and fun to play against. Well said, and that was sent in to us by another patron, Andrew Spaghetti. Ooh, Andrew Spaghetti. I like, I like it. I like it. I like that guy. So Spaghetti, he's swinging all day long for 40 or 50 per turn at one guy. Maybe he'll get another turn. Who knows? But he's going to pass to the guy to his left, maybe across the table from him. Who knows? And this guy's playing... Uh, Silas and Vile Smasher. Yeah, Silas Wren, 2-2 for black, blue, 1, death touch. When it deals combat damage to a player, choose a artifact in your graveyard, and you can cast it this turn. Partners with Vile Smasher the Fierce, black, red, 1, 2-3. First spell you cast each turn deals damage equal to its converted mana cost to a player at random an opponent at random yeah sorry an yeah. opponent at random he wouldn't be very good if he hit you so Gr grix's partner deck sent in by chris them eyes on discord and very active on twitter big, yes big time twitter supporter i like yeah. that guy yeah i like that guy too so he sent it in what do you think about this deck why did you want to feature this deck i like this one because it shows all of the kind of moving parts and all of the different things that a deck is capable of doing without being overly busted. Like, this is an artifact deck that isn't busted. You know what I mean? Usually you sit down with a deck that has 47 artifacts in it, and you're like, oh, fuck. Yeah, like uh, Captain Sisse or, like, the Scythopter, Master, Master yeah. Thopterist or, or whatever. Urza yeah. or what it right? Like, and it's, oh, this sucks. And while this deck does kind of all of the same stuff that those decks are doing, it's doing them in a manner where the other decks can scale and keep up with it. Yeah, you know what? He's got it separated into like ramp, win cons, stuff that lets you cheat stuff out. Uh, mostly that looks like it's cost reducers, which is a great way to organize your deck into like, uh, instead of creatures, enchantments, artifacts, whatever. When when I'm building, lots of times I'll separate things into win conditions, removal, ramp, what have you. Kind of like Chris has here. Um, I see a foil goblin welder, Chris. Get at me. I don't know. I'll like if you don't want it, I'll take it, whatever. <laughs> but again, like the Xenagos deck, this one looks like it's got a fairly high top end. And we're looking at two decks in a row now that I think really feel like EDH. They're the things that, okay, sure, you got your mana rocks, your ramp, your cost reducers, this, the, the, the kind of the, the bread and butter, right? You've sure. got some removal, but then you've got things like Memnarch, Worm Coil Engine, Brutaclad. Marionette Master. Master. Yeah, Marionette Master. You went right there because you're playing lots of artifacts. And I don't know if we've played this card very much, but I've lost to this card 
uh, I lost to this card when I was mana screwed playing CEDH Animar. Cool. So this is a 1-3 for black, black, 4. Sounds terrible. It has Fabricate 3. When it enters the battlefield, you could put 3 plus 1 plus 1 counters on it, or you get 3 one, one servo artifact creature tokens. When an artifact you control is put into your graveyard from the battlefield, target opponent loses 1 life equal to Marionette Master's power. So, sorry, loses life equal to Marionette Master's power. So... Loses one life per artifact or loses four life per artifact going oh, into the graveyard. It's so good. And that just wrecked me. Because, of course, you just play them alongside things like... Ashnod's Altar, Clark Clan, Ironworks, Phyrexian. Yeah, Alter. exactly. And then you've got your Junk Diver, your Scrap Trawler, your um, Mirror Retriever to get other stuff back. Is there a Duretti in this deck? Sure is. There you go. And then you Duretti... Is there? Duretti Scrap Savant. Oh, yeah. the In the Cheat Out category. Yours is in a different order than mine is. Yeah, it's weird. Sure. <laughs> Get on it, architect or architect guys. Actually, he's playing both the reddies. Look at that. Oh, There's look at that. Time. And he's oh. playing he's playing Tezzeret Master of the Bridge as well, the one that gives all your stuff uh, affinity for artifacts. So cool. And I especially appreciate this last one because we're so crunched for time here, but he is playing alternate win conditions in Mirrodin Besieged and Revel in Riches. Nice. And mechanized production. Ah! Yeah. So I appreciate that, Chris. Good on you. Okay, so Chris Them Eyes has done a bunch of artifact stuff. He turns Them Eyes to the next player, says go, and he goes right into a player who's playing, I can never say this, Kai, Kai Nios and Tiro of Miletus. Yeah, that's, that's, I don't think anybody knows how to say that first one. Kianos, Kyanos. I don't know. Whatever his name is. And Tiro. Yeah. They live in Miletus. That's what we're playing. I think they're actually dead now in the story. Ah, wrecked. Yeah, they, they those big statues behind them guard like the port of Miletus. And they are the two guys that kind of like built the town or whatever. Oh, that's I don't so remember. Nice. Oh, I don't remember. Nice. That's that's the thing. This one is sent in, of course, by dude brother in law. Dude bro in law Lenny and Steven. Yes. They sent it in, and I think I've actually played with and or against this deck. I have definitely played against this deck. Yeah, we shacked up with them in an Airbnb for Magic Fest Calgary back in March, and then again in August for Magic Fest Las Vegas. Jammed a bunch of games, played a bunch against this deck. Why did you like this one? Why do you think it fits into the... CCO EDH and M meta over and above, over and above Lenny and Steven being in our own circle of friends. So they're like legit dudes to play with. This card, this deck plays. It's like if I was to go into my binder and just pull out a whole bunch of stuff I really liked and just jammed it all into a deck. Yep. This deck has virtually all of it. And these are things I've actually put into a deck. In the same manner. There is a Zakama, there's a Videlkin Ori, there's a Vorinclex, there's a Locust God, there's a Torian Mauler, there's a Kazul Tyrant of the Cliffs, there's a Rite of the Raging Storm, there's a Burgeoning, an Assemble of the Legion, an Avacyn Angel of Hope, an Avenger of Zendikar. All of these cards are just these huge, giant, board-warping things that all cost like 48 mana all in one deck. So I love it. How do we play it? Let's see here. We've got a Commander's Sphere, we've got a Felwar Stone, we've got... A Horn of Greed, which lets us draw cards for playing land. That's fine. It's basically group hug. It's group hug now. Yeah. 
We've got a Mirage Mirror that can turn into a Mana Rock, but I don't know why we'd do that. Soul Ring, of course, Thought Vessel for unlimited hand size. So it's got some ramp. It has got some... It's got like Farseek because it is a four-color deck. Nature's Lore, Peer's Whim, Tempt with Discovery. It's got the kind of the... Oh, Burgeoning, I see. Abundance lets you pick land or non-land and you draw... Or, like, you reveal till you hit what you want. Yep. That's a, kind of an underrated card, I think, hey? I think it is, too. Yeah, late game, you just say non-land, and you just draw until you hit gas, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So, I, I wish that costed two, though. Well, it'd be way too good if it cost two. Well, it would be like a ramp spell, because you'd always name land when you're in, like, early game at two. But it'd and be, if you wanted non- It'd be a gas pedal late in the game when all you want is not land, and you just say What's a gas pedal anyways? I guess, but it costs four, so it's fine. Yeah, you play the Island Sanctuary in here. What I... This... We were forced to play this in Attraxable last year, I think, or in Vegas 2018. So that's just like an ode to uh, Attraxable 2018, <laughs> which I appreciate. Also, my very favorite card in all of Magic, Second Sorcery. It plays Decimate. Yeah, this is just like a tribute to Brando. Yeah, we haven't talked about Decimate this whole arc. I'm going through withdrawals, man. Yeah, and here we, we got it. Destroy target artifact, target creature, target enchantment, target land for Gruel 2. Oh, I said it. That feels good. <laughs> it feels good hearing that there's a card that does that. Put a smile on everyone's face. Oh, man. I promise. You know what he can't play, though? He can't play the um, Casualty of War or Win Grace's Judgment, which I know you also like those cards. Oh, I also like those as well, yes, because yeah, there's no black in this list. Which yeah, is... we actually didn't read the commandy. This is a C-16 special, 2-8 for red, green, white, blue, human soldier. That's a soldier in Commander Cookout Talk. Correct. At the beginning of your end step, draw a card. Each player may put a land card onto the battlefield from their hand. Each opponent who didn't draws a card. So you get to draw a card and play an extra land. Your opponents get to play a land or draw a card. Yep. And then you just play way better shit with your extra land. Yes. You just draw better shit and then play better shit. Yep. I put I play this uh, Kino Sentiro in my 64 land dot deck because it allows me to drop an extra land per turn. So I very much like that card I've played against this deck. Again, part of the allure of a good ideation and meta is the people that you play with. We got lucky that there's a lot of good people in our local meta. We also got lucky that people like Chris, who supports us on, on, on Patreon and Twitter, and Lenny and Steven are willing to, you know, make plans and rent Airbnbs, and we split the cost with them, and we play with them when we travel. We're lucky that we have all of these great people to uh, share and gather to play Magic with. We've made friends all over the globe, and they get to play decks like this, which is so quintessential EDH, because it's just a bunch of really cool stuff that you want to play that has, doesn't have a home anywhere else. Found a home in a deck like this. Yeah, it's very eclectic. Yes. I like a good uh, eclectic band of misfits, if you will. And I'm, I, know, I don't know if I'm allowed to say the name on the show, but the, the title of the deck is just funny. The Gaze. Yep. I said it. Yeah. It's fine. Just say it. It's The Gaze. That's the name of the deck. And that's a whole EDH pod and an EDH in it. Yeah. So let's say you leave the table. You're going to the next table. So let's say you were playing that Kuzul deck and you just got, like, clobbered. <laughs> yeah, you're like, okay, enough of that. I'm going to go play in a different pod. You might run into, I think this is local guy Jay. Yes, it is. Plays a deck helmed by Rakdos the Showstopper. So this is technically a local meta deck that we're featuring in with the conglomerate, if you will. The the last uh, EDH and M I was at I missed this week but uh, last week I played against this deck I think three times. Oh yeah, did he play 
Did he play this deck at the charity event? Yes. Was this the I Was think, this the one where it was double mana barbs? I think it was. I don't Is this deck have mana barbs in it? Yeah, that game that deck that game went so long or so fast. I don't think it uh I don't know if that's this deck. Uh, long story short, I uh I was at 40 and tapped 5, so with tapped 5 with two mana barbs in play, so I went to 30 to cast ad nauseum down to two <laughs> tried to find a win god did not win that game did not win nope no nope. definitely didn't definitely did not get there rakdos the showstopper is a six six flying trampling demon for rakdos and four when he comes into play you flip a coin for each creature that's in play that isn't a demon a devil or an imp and you destroy each creature where the coin comes up tails so it's a physical manipulation card it can take a little while to resolve but it's pretty fun yeah and this isn't the Mana Barbs deck that I was talking about. What I've seen with Rakdos, the Showstopper decks, instead of flipping a coin, people just grab dice and they just go like around the table and they say like this creature, odds or evens, this creature, odds, evens, this creature, odds or evens. And it's really quick because you just roll like 10 dice in a row and if it's odds, it dies. If it's not, it if it's even, it lives. Yeah. And when people do it like that and find a very kind of efficient way to physically manipulate cards which i know we've talked about a little bit on it makes for a quick fun experience and it's a little bit of a a gamble whether your stuff lives or dies and that makes for a fun experience i like the casino like you're pulling the arm when he plays it and i've definitely seen games where just wipes everybody out and i've definitely also seen games where he's left with nothing but rakdos and kills like an arbor elf (laughs) and everybody else is like bitch (laughs) (laughs) it's that's it. So it's super fun. I like playing against this deck, which is why I picked it. Like it's, it, I just really like it. It's it always provides a fun game for me, and I assume everybody else. So check this out: disruption. Remember, we're playing Rakdos colors. Whew. Disruption: fourteen cards. Ramp spells: fifteen cards. Jeepers, Holy creepers, crap. and then the deck has a bunch of demons, of course. Big fat fatties. We've got a villus broker of blood. Pay two life black. Put a minus on something. Whenever you lose life, draw that many cards. So in Rakdos, I've heard there's lots of ways to make yourself lose life. Yeah. Just, like, know. like um, I don't know, sign in blood, draw four. <laughs> I don't know. Knight's Whisper, draw four. Painful Truths, draw four. It seems fine. Yeah. With villus, of course. Argul's Blood Feast is like um, is greed on a card. Necropotence, greed, like all of those cards go at Obnixilis Reignited. Is that the card draw one? Yes, draw a card, lose a life. Lose draw, a life, draw two now? Yeah, draw two cards. Yeah. Phyrexian Arena would be real good in here too. Yep, yep. So this is a cool card, or sorry, a, uh, a cool deck, and it is one on our local meta from supporter Jay and his sister... Long, 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 long time ago, before Commander even existed, you gave her an entire Goblin standard deck, like um, a la Zendikar vintage, yeah, like right? It had Goblin guides and instigators and the whole the whole bit. Yeah. Just because I had so many extras. Yeah. <laughs> so part of a good, I'll say local meta, because that wasn't EDH, but it's people who are willing to help other people out, build decks, lend stuff, give stuff away. Especially this time of year, not everybody is as fortunate as anybody else. 
So if you can help anybody out in your local meta by, or, or even just supporting your local game store. Yeah. You know, lots of game stores don't actually make a ton of money. And maybe maybe business isn't so hot. Maybe Black Friday isn't a thing for them. Maybe whatever, right? Yeah. Yo, you know what happened to me last night? Happened to you last night. So I go into I go into the store and I just go behind the counter and grab the standard binder. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm looking for heraldic banner, but specifically in foil. That is a three drop mana rock that taps for enters the battlefield, choose a color, creatures of the chosen color get plus one, plus O, and it taps for that color. Goes and misform Ultimus, because I just named blue and all my creatures get buffed, and it's a mana rock. Heraldic banner. Doesn't have one, but the dude standing right beside me is like, hey, what are you looking for? I got to look in the standard binder too. So we're flipping through, and I say, heraldic banner, but in foil. He goes, I literally just cracked one in my draft. I'll go get it for you. And he just gave it to me. So big shout out to Eric. Nice. Yeah. Thanks, Eric. Oh, speaking of things that happen at EDH and M, I actually think maybe Rakdos the Showstopper deck was even in this game I'm about to tell you about. The guy played that Sphinx that whenever it attacks, it deals or deals damage to somebody and they search through your library until they find a creature and then you have to name any creature oh yeah and it's if, a sphinx or something yeah isn't it? and if you pick the right creature they don't get it but if you miss they get it yes guy swung in three times in one game picked three creatures out of three different decks got guessed right all three times no yes never got one free thing off of it how does that even happen i have no idea that is excellent it was insane that is like the thing in edh that is like that's what stories are made out of yeah like, right it's just like i i can't believe that just happened like they hit me with it i'm like what are you gonna get Wh what are you gonna get and i picked it like, Nurkana revenant boom there got it, it. Is. got him oh, and then i forget who he hit next and so like, good and they're thinking what's the best creature in my deck and he got it. And then, like, the next guy was like, well, he probably didn't pick the best thing in my deck anymore because I'm just going to get it. So I'm going to pick something just at random. And he fucking got it. No way. <laughs> it was so good. That is excellent. Oh, it was so fun. So after that happens, nobody gets anything. Jay goes to the thing, says go, and we get, oh, baby, you knew. You knew that this was going to happen. Pass it to somebody playing Atraxa. Of course. Of course. Of course. Of course Atraxa is going to show up. It's it's a it's a local meta. Of course Atraxa is going to show up. We all know Atraxa. She's green, white, blue, black for a 4-4 four, four flying vigilance, death touch, lifelink. At end of turn, proliferate. Yeah, because it's, it's of course. Yeah. Because of course she does. Yeah. And big thanks to David Moen for sending this one in. Also, F you. F you, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Now, what we like about this one is it harkens back to a deck that we did well, a bunch of decks we did for Atraxa, but we also did one, I think it was Queen Marchesa, where I played a Death Touch Tribal deck with a chess sub-theme. This is just Atraxa Death Touch Tribal. Yeah. I like that. I do. There's a bunch of equipment and things that give your creatures first strike, because first strike or double strike and death touch are very powerful. There is things like Beastmaster Ascension, Cathartic Reunion, Stuff to, like, buff your dudes because you're playing attracts a creature deck. Yeah. And not little creatures that you're going to plus one and then proliferate? No. 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 That's not what we're doing here. We're going to put quest counters on a Beastmaster Ascension. We're going to, I don't know, just make giant death touch dudes and win. Very much so. I'm looking at 
two planeswalkers in the deck too so <laughs> you're not even taking advantage of the planeswalker sub theme which i super appreciate because when there are a lot of planeswalkers and everybody's kind of got to band together to make sure that the planeswalkers aren't taking over the board that doesn't always equal a fun game yes Everybody's you know what I like? You know what I like in here? Check this out. Death Touch Special, Nurkana Cutthroat. Does anybody even know what that card does? This is from Rise of Eldrazi. It's an uncommon black 2, 3, 2, level up. So level up was an ability in Rise of Eldrazi. You can only level up as a sorcery. I had that problem yesterday playing Coral Helm Commander. <laughs> you play, you pay black 2, you put a level counter on your guy. When it's got one or two level counters, it's a 4-3 with Death Touch. And you have to pay black two every time you want to level it up. So if you level it up three times or more, it's got First Strike, Death Touch, and a 5-4. And Atraxa makes it such that you play black two to cast it for 3-2. That's fine. It's that's limited a, special. That's okay, yeah. <laughs> black two to give it 4-3 and Death Touch. So it's a 4-3 Death Touch for six. six. And then Atraxa makes it a 5-4 Death Touch First Striker for 6. It's pretty good. That's turning into a good card. That's turning into a good creature. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. You know what's missing from this deck? And it, it, it blows my mind a little bit. Is uh, is it Glissa the Traitor? She has Death Touch. And First Strike. And she gets your artifact back from the graveyard. Like She's super good. And is she, there a big artifact sub-theme in here? Not at all. But you don't need one because she fits right into the deck. Like, let's just say somebody blows up your Viridian Longbow or your Sol Ring or your Felwar Stone. Just get it back. You just get it back. Yeah. yeah. You're doing what you're doing anyway with a benefit. And that's what you want to do. You know what else I appreciate in this deck very much? Good old Sharpened Pitchfork. <laughs> <laughs> that is an uncommon from original Innistrad. Equipment for two. Equipped creature has first strike. Good enough in a Death Touch deck by itself. But wait, there's more. If... If the enchanted creature or equipped creature is a human, it gets plus one, plus one. It's in your, your Mist from Ultimate Oh, 100% it? <laughs> it is. Now, the question is, the question then becomes, how many humans are in the deck? Shall we? Let us shall. There are seven. I don't know if that's enough. I was hoping that there was going to be like one, but turns out seven mm -hmm. is like a non-negligible number. Yeah, seven's fine. Yeah. It's a good number of things. And one of which is a Machaeus the Lunark, which is vastly underplayed compared to his his black yeah. version. Would Machaeus the Unhallowed be good in here too? You With Machaeus, you don't want stuff to have plus one, plus one counters on it. Because when they die with no plus ones, they come back with plus ones. But this is where they die and then they have plus ones and you can proliferate them up with Atraxa. Usually when you play Machaeus the Unhallowed, you want to continuously get stuff back from your graveyard to take advantage of like ETBs or like sacrifice or just like unprofitable blocks for your opponent and you get your guy back for so free. So you're telling me that you can't just play value Machaeus? What's wrong with you? Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so he doesn't play value Machaeus, passes the turn to the next guy in the pod, we're out, and we're onto a deck after my own heart because it's tribal and it's elephant tribal. Oh, baby. Huh. And this Elephant Tribal deck is helmed by Selvala Explorer Returned, which is a 2-4 Elf Scout for Celestia and 1, has Parlay. You tap it. Each player reveals the top card of his or her library. For each non-land card revealed this way, add a green mana to your mana pool and gain a life. Then everybody draws a card. 
Yeah, so I think the Silvala phenomenon is spread across two different cards. One's expensive. This one's cheap unless it's foil, I think. Is is this a good commander? I've seen this a couple times, and every time people like take advantage of all that card drawn and life gaining, and it's like a stacks deck or something. I don't know. Is that what we're doing here? No. No. No, it's <laughs> no. not what we're doing, Ryan. It is not at all what we're doing. Uh, I think she's just there to to get that ramp and maybe get some information on our opponent's hands. Yes, information so you could maybe cast things like Force of Vigor, Generous Gift, Cross and Grip, Path to Exiles, Return to Nature, Rootborn Defenses, Silence, and Swords to Plow. Wow, sweet, sweet, as we say. Yeah, the removal suite is pretty good. And those are just the instants. We haven't even talked about the elephants yet. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say sorceries. No, I have sorceries. This is an elephant tribal deck, not a sorceries tribal deck. Sorcery tribal. That sounds like something CCO-ish. We're playing things like Aggressive Mammoth and Changeling Titan. No Chameleon Colossus, which is obviously the best elephant, but you know what? We'll take it. We got a Frontier Mastodon and a Galma's Warden. And what else do we got? We got a Venerated Loxodon and a Thorn Mammoth. Terrace till dawn. Oh, all the good yeah. elephants in here, baby. Yeah, and we've got, hey, look at this. Not an elephant, but we've got brawn. Elephant in the picture gives all your elephants trample. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Do we have elephant grass? No. I don't think that actually does anything with elephants. I don't think it does either. It just says elephant in the name, which points for flavor. Yes. But uh, but no, it's not in here. Elephant graveyard. Uh, too much money. Yeah, it's like 130 bucks. Yeah, no, 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 no. We are playing, though, a Trumpeting Herd. Eh? Trumpeting Herd. That's the funniest card name that we've said today. <laughs> what about Elephant Ambush? Oh, dude, we're not playing Elephant Ambush, but who played? But Harrison Jones, who sent us this deck, needs to include Elephant Ambush because this card, just for the art, is awesome. It's green, green, two for an instant that puts a 3-3 three, three green elephant into play. It's got flashback for like a 1,000. But the picture is like an elephant hiding behind a tree with a play mat with a pipe rolled up in it, just waiting to just deck some poor sucker. <laughs> yeah. Could could also have other CCO favorites to roll up in your play mat, which include pieces of rebar, frozen turkey legs, or Max Grandel's pubes. <laughs> <laughs> also, dice bag with a bunch of rocks in it. Yes. Nobody sees the dice bag full of rocks coming. They think it's just a dice bag. Nah. You know what? You could probably have a bunch of those D30s in there. It's probably going to do the same thing. It'll get the job done just yes. as well. Force equals mass times acceleration. If you get that <laughs> thing flying fast enough, like on the end of a big long rope, or if you just throw it at somebody, we're not encouraging violence. We're encouraging self, um, self-defense and elephant ambush. Yes, elephant ambush mainly. But this deck is just cool. It's super casual. It's not meant to win land speed records and combo everybody to death. It's an elephant tribal deck. This feels like first deck that we featured in Arc of EDH&M, Mono White Morphone Angel Tribal. That's what this deck feels like to me. Me too. And that is a staple in the CCO EDH&M meta. It is. And I feel like this one would be too. So if you're ever going to be at a place where we're going to be at... Bring it out. Love to play against it. Yeah, I'll play Mistform Ultimus, which is like everything kind of tribal with Elephant Graveyard. Ooh. So I can regenerate my Mistform. Or power political move, regenerate one of your elephants, Harrison Jones. Oh. Regenerate one of your elephants. So you've regenerated one of his elephants. 
and his turn's done. He's like, ah, oh, combat didn't go quite my way. So he passes it over to Dolphin Jesus, who sends in his Yazova's Stealing Your Girl deck. Another Dolphin Jesus list? Another one. So sick. All right. <laughs> so Yazova Dragon Claw, 4-2 for green 2. So good, good, good rate there, Trampler. At the beginning of combat on your turn, you may pay one is it is it if you do gain control of target creature and opponent controls with power less than yasova's and it gains haste and then you give it back at the end of turn you know what isn't in this deck that could be card of the week from last show from yesterday ceases Seda sanctuary Seda sanctuary draw cards and stuff there you go yeah hell yeah i like that i like that too so what's this one about i see a bunch of uh, oh blood mist I'm seeing Corrupted Conscience. I'm seeing Active Aggression. I'm seeing, I, I think that we're like Active Treason, Mass Mutiny. We're stealing stuff. We're stealing people's stuff and then sacrificing it to our stuff to get a benefit. Yeah, so this is kind of like the mono blue scales nicely with your stuff.deck. Yes. Except it's Teamer beat you over the head with your stuff. Yes. Still scales nicely. Exactly. Instead of seeing you playing a club so I make a similar club, I just take your club, hammer a nail through it, and then hit you with it. Yeah, very, very gruel. And the innovation of hammering a nail through it, very blue. Yes. Okay. I like it. We, we're not only um, uh, podcasters, we are now flavor expert game designers. <laughs> yes, we, <laughs> as everybody already knew. But yeah. in this in the description that he sent us in his email, he said that this what does it say? The this deck OTKs your opponents with their own commanders. Now we we didn't know what OTK was because we're from Saskatchewan and we don't really know internet lingo. Yes. Uh you think it means out to kill. I think it means over the knee. So you're either killing yourself or spanking yourself with your own commander. I'm not sure. Spanking yourself. I don't know. Some people might be into that. I don't know. I'm not here to judge. You know, that could be slang for something else that you do to yourself, which I'm, you know what, I'm down. If, you, if, if you're comfortable in your own skin, it's good on you. Hey, man, comfortable in your own skin, that's the best place to be comfortable. Oh, life lessons, too. We're, we're personal life coaches here yeah. on CCO. We are well. everything. We're everything. Coaching cookout podcast, baby. Oh, life coach cookout. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. So I super like this deck. It's pretty like I don't want to say it's it's simple and straight ahead and but but like it steals their stuff, it makes their stuff bigger. You beat the shit out of them with their own stuff, and then you sacrifice it for a basic land. Listen, I play a deck very much like this in my Bryon Stout Arm deck where I steal stuff. And let me tell you, that is a more difficult and nuanced decision than you think. Especially when it's steal it and hit them with it and then sacrifice it or and make them use their removal on it so you don't actually get anything? Or is it steal them and hit somebody else with it, then give it back to the person you stole it from? Like, there are a bunch of decisions there that affect kind of where the life totals are going down and where you think you can get the most advantage for the card that you're spending or the mana you're spending to to steal their thing. Got to like, learn that political game. Right? And do I want some effect or do I want to get damage? Where's my mana best spent? Mm. right because it's not always about that life total going down sometimes it's about you know your your six mana thing that i'm spending three mana to steal but only for one turn or sometimes i'm spending three four five mana to steal your two mana thing that's got an ability that i want right like there's all these little things that kind of make it a more difficult decision than you think it's going to be 
and I appreciate that. Agreed. That's a cool deck. So you've stolen somebody's commander. Yes. You've wiped out the elephant tribal guy. Say go, and we're going to go into something that I think deep down in the hearts of CCO Nation, everybody knew that deep this was down, coming. Deep down? Deep down? That is, a, that is a, a subtle pun that people don't even know yet. They don't even know how subtle that was. Because you knew that in a, C, in a CCO, EDH and M, meta like we're building on this show, you knew there was going to be a C monster deck. CC Monster Tribal Cookout Podcast. Yes. Got there. <laughs> no, this one, I guess, technically, we've already done a show with it. It was our Zur the Enchanter Sea Monster dot deck list that we ref- refer to all the time. Yes. But our boy Mike Honk, Mark Honk, he got sick of that Zur shit, had enough of that, switched it up into Sidisi Brood Tyrant. I think. I sent it in back the, in. In the email, he said that Zur was too, not too consistent, but too samey every time. Just like we ran into with yesterday's deck that featured Zur, where you just find your Binding Agony or find your Dark Steel Mutation. The same, maybe two cards every single time was Zur. Yeah. And it just makes for linear gameplay. And in his email description of the deck, he said that the Sidisi allows for some self-mill and some reanimation for your sea monster tribal. And the green gives you access to ramp if you just want to hard cast your your uh, sea monsters. Sometimes you just need to pay 10 and sack two islands for a Leviathan. Sometimes Leviathan is your best answer. Is Leviathan ever the best answer? I mean, when it's trade your Leviathan for two tropical islands like our buddy Levi did back in like 1994, yes, it's 100% the right answer every time. I think that's the only time Leviathan's ever been good. Yeah, some kid wanted it and he had one and he's like, I'll take your tropical islands. (laughs) What a scumbag. Back then, then, Leviathan was the biggest, beefiest creature you could have. And dual lands didn't mean it. No, there was a time, kids. When dual lands, nobody gave a shit about them. Yeah, and it was like in 2002 when I opened up my box of Onslaught and got five fetch lands and wanted a Kamal Fist of Krosa and didn't get one. (laughs) (laughs) What a shitty box you opened, hey? Well, yeah, only, yeah, I split a box three ways, so each got one of those stacks, you know? 350 card set, and I got like five fetch lands. In my 12 packs. And you were disappointed. I was pissed, man, because yeah. my buddy who got a different stack than me got to Kamal, and he wouldn't trade me. What a scumbag. What a scumbag. F that guy, man. Does he still play? I don't think so. Good. Yeah. Let's the, go to his house and get the Kamal. The meta's a better place without him. <laughs> I think I eventually got that Kamal, like the next year or a few months later, he traded it to me for something that he was building. So I think I do actually have that Kamal. Nice. Yeah. It's one of those story cards. I like that. There you go. I like that a lot. So, Sidisi Brood Tyrant Sea Monsters. We're playing Sea Monsters. That's a mouthful, eh? I know, right? We're playing <laughs> a, st- a mouthful of Sea Monster. Don't, don't Google that. That sounds like some some. Yeah, that's some shit. Just, that is, yeah. Yeah, you, no. You guys, you you know what I'm talking yeah, about. He he gets it. Tentacles. Damn it. Anyway, we're playing things like Deep Sea Kraken, Inkwell Leviathan, Stormside Leviathan. Lin Voda the Rising Deep, Vorthos the Tidemaker, Tromocratus. We're playing all of the cool sea monster Kraken things. The Rex oh, Seal, we got everything good. Yeah, you know what it was? It was Zur used to find quest for Ula's Temple. 
in this deck every time. And that when that gets your quest counters on it, you get to search for Octopus, Kraken, Leviathan, and, and just like put them into your hand or put them into play or whatever. And that was too consistent. So instead, he uh, Mark wants to mill himself to get incidental like zombie mill value as blockers as he builds up to see monsters. Yes. And that is a little bit more casual, a little bit less linear, a little bit more varied. The mill takes advantage of things that Zer couldn't, and that's because he's got he's got like Golgari cards in there now that let him, you know, get stuff back from their graveyard. Do Golgari stuff. Yeah. Butt stuff. Butt stuff indeed. With your tentacles. Don't Google that. No. <laughs> so nine decks. That is a four-player and a five-player game in our meta, or some slob is sitting out because he got there late. Probably me, because I'm yeah. always late. You're always late for everything. To the uh, no, that's not true. I'm always late for EDH and M because I have a uh, a supper planned with my family on Fridays, and you know I do the responsible hashtag MTD, MTG dad thing, mm-hmm. and um, then I show up, I go to the post office, mail some cards, come back with a giant thing of Diet Pepsi because I get thirsty. And I jam some games. We play the opening game The uh, at our... Uh, that's another thing we didn't mention. So I always get cards shipped to me in the mail. This is a fun game that I would love to play with anybody who comes to EDH&M. I get an envelope in the mail. They're anybody's cards. Ones that I've bought. Ones that have been sent to me to alter. Dana Roach just sent me a package and we played the game. And he's going to hate me for this. But I'm going to tell the story anyways. Okay. The game is this. There's cards in the envelope. Nobody knows what they are. Most of the time, not even me. If anybody guesses a card in there, they get one guess. Anybody guesses the card, they can have it. I give it to them for free. (laughs) And I open the package and I look at the card, and I give everybody at the table one guess. And nobody's ever gotten one ever. But um, you always guess Dark Vision's misprinted Griffin Canyon because I need one so bad. And I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it from you. I still need that card, by the way, anybody out there. Just so that you know, he's going to play the card opening game with it, and I'm going to get it, not Ryan. Somebody's going to randomly send me one in the mail, and I'm not going to know, and I'm going to play the card opening game, (laughs) and you're going to get it. (laughs) And Aiden always guesses. We featured his deck. It was his... Moldrotha. Moldrotha deck a couple weeks ago. He guesses uh, Nature's Lore. Because not only am I building a set of Ice Age, he knows that I don't have one and it's one that I want to paint. So he always guesses that one because it's like six bucks. But um, I got a Demonic Tutor in the mail yesterday and and uh, Jay actually guessed Doomsday. And I was like, uh-oh. And I had to look through because I knew I had a pile of like black cards. And I was like, ooh, that's from the same era as what I'm, what's in this pile. <laughs> thought I had to <laughs> cough one up, but no, nobody's ever got one. So close. It's a it's a fun game we play, and it's it's everybody likes it. Yes, it's just another thing that makes our EDH and M special every week. That's something that's fun to do. So I normally say that's it for the show. That's all the decks, but we have one more deck to do, and it's the fairy brawl deck that we're going to give away to a lucky ri- listener right now. That was the second hand slap on the table. You scare me every time. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. So we had some. Twitter, Facebook, social media posts, comments on YouTube actually got you entered as well. Anything that helped us promote the show, share the show, or any stories that you wanted to tell from your own EDH&M meta got you entered to win the deck. Also trying to convince me to play Brawl, it turns out, was a thing. Oh, yeah. We blew up Brando's Twitter pretty good for a couple days there. Who do we got, Ryan? This arc's deck giveaway winner. Jim Dean. I love the air horn. That's it. So 
Jim. We had the whole arc to play that. Oh, yeah. Every time. Yes. Every, every time he asked me, should I play the air horn? Every episode. It's always <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. It's always no until we give the deck away. Oh. Jim Dean, get at us. You'll have a couple weeks to get at us. We'll get the deck. I think you have it. Yep. It arrived at my house uh, a couple of days ago. Big thanks to Ginger Joe. Helps us out with those. We super appreciate it because we can't get those decks at the same uh, value or rate that people in the land of the free can get them. Because or in the city. like They're just sold out oh, everywhere yeah, around town. That, that's like, right, right? The second shipment hasn't come out, even though Wizards said that it should be out from their dis- like their distributors in late November, and it's not. <laughs> yeah. So we don't have them yet, and you can get them in the land of the free for like pennies on the dollar compared to what they are here. Yeah. So big thanks to Ginger Joe for making all that possible. Big thank you to everybody who shared the show, helped play along, helped tell us stories, helped convince Brando to play Brawl. I'm not going to do it. All of that was great fun. It sounds like I'm moving into the final thought of the day, but that is your job. Give everybody one last arc of EDH&M rundown, your favorite arc. Let them know what's the deal. First of all, big congratulations to Jim Dean and Kiel Rudnisky, our two contest winners, get at us, CCO Podcast, CCO Brando, or commandercookout at gmail.com to collect your prizes. You have a couple of weeks, and then we're going to just give them to somebody else. So be on top of that. And again, thank you very much for listening and playing along. Arc of EDH&M, final thought of the arc. I really appreciate all the lists and all of the interaction that came along with this arc. It's my favorite arc that we've ever done because it really got to focus on what I love so much about magic, which is being part of a really fun community And a bunch of great people, nay friends, who all come together to just play this game that we all love so much. And I really hope that we help to encapsulate all of that in the last four or five shows, especially this one where we got to run down basically a set of four-player pods that you could run into hypothetically at any EDH&M night. I hope you do use these shows as a springboard or an inspiration to go out and get involved in your local community because they really are great places for the most part and you can have so much fun if you go in there with the right mindset and i hope that we have helped to instill that in you and we're going to continue to instill great things in you in the next episode on the next arc of commander cookout podcast hit our theme song Brought to you by face-to-facegames.com, Canada's biggest magic store.